at the Cottage, a show about getting away, being away, and all the things that happen in between. Support for this podcast comes from Amsterdam Brewery, brewing damn good beer in Toronto since 1986. Support for this podcast comes from the fine folks at Neil Brothers, an iconic tastemaker of extraordinary foods. Hey, everybody. How are you? Great. Welcome back. Andy, so nice to see you. Thanks for having us back again. Maureen, it's always a pleasure. Love having people around at the cottage. Thank you. And uh, we have some great stories already, and we're going to have some more tonight. We've got a few friends around the grill. How you doing, Mel? I'm great. Did you have a good week? I did. It was my birthday. Yeah, I know. I know. That, that was something <laughs> I... Forgot? Yeah, I guess that's the word. Okay. Yeah, but We're still friends. We are. We are. So you had a good week. You had a good I birthday. Did. And we're so happy you're back here. And I'm thrilled to be back. Thanks, Andy, for having me. And I want to introduce my friend, Chris Worth, is here. Hello, Mel. Nice to see you again. Great to see you. Love to be back at Andy's place. So nice to see you, Andy. Maureen, what's going on? You know, this week we have a really interesting topic. Our theme is Hit the Road, Jack. So we're talking about traveling near and far. How far do you go? When you go, do you go forever? How fast do you get out of the house? All kinds of interesting topics. We've got a a great pal here. Actually, Chris, why don't you introduce your buddy, Brian? I would love to introduce Brian. And Brian is truly a lifelong cottager. But Brian travels a ton, in my opinion, to get to his cottage. Brian, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Excellent. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, not quite as far as you normally travel for your cottage, Uh, but we'll we'll get into that. And on that note, we have a fabulous guest on the line, a friend of ours. She's a little uh, west of where we are. She's over in Algonquin Highlands. Hey, Christine, how are you? I'm excellent. How are you? We're great. I'm so glad you could join us. We want to go to you for some of your expert opinion and your knowledge on the real estate market. Well, I'm honored. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. We're, we're, we're really pleased to have you. So I think I'm going to start, and my buddies have a couple of questions for you, too. But let's start with, how does the market look in your neck of the woods? I mentioned you're in Algonquin Highlands. What's going on up there? Well, uh, my neck of the woods, yeah, it's uh, actually the Highlands uh, uh, encompasses a pretty large area. We call it the Halliburton Highlands. So it's Minden Highlands, Algonquin Highlands. Um, our neighbors to the west are kind of Muskoka, to the east is Bancroft, to the south is kind of Bob Cape and Cobaconk area. Um, but uh, interesting question. I think the, the term recreational uh, marketplace is kind of transitioning. There's um, certainly more people moving here permanently, so we're starting to almost become a bedroom community. Um, but as far as performance goes, single-family homes up here in the Highlands were up about 25% first quarter, year over year. Recreational was up about 19%. So I'd say the Highlands is doing extremely well. But we're very much on people's radar now. So, um, uh, you know, I think there is a trend for people moving out of large urban centers. Uh, to have either a chance at property ownership, they get great value for their dollar. Um, and uh, it's the boomers and the empty nesters who are cashing out uh, in the large urban centers, and their dollar goes a lot further in the recreational market. I think Mel had a couple of questions. And and to that point, I mean, so the, what do you think the factors are that are influencing the rise in prices? First of all, happy birthday, Mel. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> at least that that hurt. Hurt. Thank that you. Hurt. At least you remembered, Christine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, well, the factors, I think, like anything, it really comes down to supply and demand. You know, there's 
there's some spill in terms of what people expect to pay for a home based on the, the large urban centers like Toronto and Vancouver. Um, and if you can still be really within accessibility distance to those centers, then your dollar really goes a lot further. So, you know, you're looking literally within a two-hour window uh, around those centers, and it starts looking really attractive. But now you're seeing multiple offers in recreational areas and properties that are selling kind of in, in record time. And are multiple offers, is that something you just didn't see five years ago? Never, never, no. Crazy, eh? That's yeah. In, that's insane. So tell me, Christine, what, what kind of properties are these people looking for? Are they, are they you know, sticking to lakefront? Or are they going away from lakefront? What's happening there? Well, uh, they're literally buying anything. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit crazy. I went and, I'll uh, just tell you a little personal story. I went and looked at a, a spot that was on our lake. It was a 50-foot uh, wide piece of property, which is not a huge lakefront property. You could see Highway 35 if you tilted your head slightly to the right. <laughs> um, and the place hadn't been lived in in 30 years, so it was a complete teardown. Wow. And they were asking $225,000. And I thought, it's never going to go. It's just not not for that amount of money. And it sold in two weeks. And, and that trend to escape the city, uh, and you and Kevin, your partner, are... are examples of that and, and I guess that's just so um, so apropos right now so many people are talking about that because they're just fed up with traffic and uh, you know not having any life exactly and I, it's funny Mel I think we've always wanted to escape the city <laughs> like you know that's why you can't really kind of it takes you four hours to get out of the city on a weekend because everybody's trying to escape um, but I think the difference what's happening now is it's the permanency of it mm-hmm. so you know people are literally escaping the city not just for that weekend escape but looking at sort of recreational cottage country within sort of a two-hour time frame and saying you know i could really live there you know christine i know several people who have sold and sort of i'll just say cashed out of toronto right they've semi-retired to their property yeah. But they're not ready to retire, so they just rent an apartment in Toronto. It's like it's like they're they're not ready to jump into the full life up there with two feet, so they keep <laughs> they keep a toe uh, in the city uh, because they're not entirely sure they're ready to do it. But lots of them are trying it. Yeah, and that and that's a great point because that is huge now. My my neighbor who just moved up here uh, last September, they did exactly that. They've kept a little apartment in the city, but this is kind of their home. My husband and I did that for five years before we moved up here full time. Are you seeing a lot of people, and sort of you're touching on this a little bit around um, people kind of keeping a foot in, in the city, whether that's uh, an electronic foot or whether that's an actual physical foot. Right. Are you seeing a lot of people going off grid? Like, are there a lot of people saying, you know what, I just want to cash right out of the city and I want to, I want to start, you know, generating my own power sort of thing. Are we seeing a lot of that? Well, that's a really great question. I think the dream of being off grid is, is an amazing one. And, you know, we've got great companies now that are offering solar and wind power. 
geothermal's been around for a long time. So yeah. basically, is you know, you drill down into the ground and you've got a a, a, a temperate sort of uh, conditions in your home all year round. It's you know, there is a huge expense to it, and um, and there still is the there still is the sort of two factors of you know, I want high speed internet and I want cell service. Right. So I want to be off the grid, but don't take away my cell service. And my <laughs> <high speed internet. laughs> I want to be able to watch so, the X Factor or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it, it speaks to kind of your point about you know having a foot still electronically in the city, right? Yeah. Because you can still be very very productive and work from anywhere as long as you've got those two things. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you. I hope you have a great okay. rest of the summer over there in the Highlands. And uh, well, we look forward to more. Raining. Thanks again, Christine. We'll see you soon. Okay. Bye, Chris. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, very interesting. I think that's a, that's a great uh, segue over to Brian because Brian has an interesting story. I think you can probably relate to some of what Christine was saying because I hear mm-hmm. you've been there and back a few times. Um, but before we do that, Guess what? It's time for... It's time for Ask Andy Anything. Each week, one of our guests asks Andy a question. Here's this week's. So, Andy, we're talking about traveling. And quite often, after a long drive, the last thing you want to do is go shopping. So what do you suggest? What should cottagers bring? And what can they wait to buy once they get there? Wanting to keep the shopping trip to a minimum. I think uh, I think you should really go to the cottage with the first few meals fully sort wow. of prepared and stocked. So depending on what's going on, I don't know. I'm I'm a Friday night escape guy, so I want at least Saturday's breakfast and maybe even Saturday's lunch kind of planned and organized, or at least know I've got it, so that I don't feel I have to get up right away and go into town. You know, you want some flexibility in your day. Depends on the weather, but uh, and then the other the other variable is. You know, a lot of small towns have amazing, I'll use the term, butcher shops. Many don't. And you rely (laughs) on that local grocery store to supply a really good cut of beef. And I find, my experience is, that if they have a decent quality cut, they don't have much of it, and it's exorbitantly priced. So I always sort of think, you know, kind of plan and take it with you if you think it's beneficial based on you know, the circumstances of your town. Terrific. Look, I'm going to put a plug in here for Andy because he hosts us <laughs> around his grill so graciously every week. Andy does a fantastic thing. He prepares cottage packs for folks, and it's great. And I'm sure you can customize them if you have more or fewer guests, but it's terrific. At least you'll know you'll have your quality meats covered. So for anybody listening in Toronto, pop into Andy's and Side because you'll get some fantastic cottage goodies. So now we're going to go back and chat with Brian. Um, Brian, I know Chris was telling me that you're actually from Nova Scotia, but you've been in Toronto a long time. But the story is a little more interesting than that. Why don't you tell us um, what cottaging means for you with respect to Nova Scotia? Oh, well, cottaging uh, has probably two aspects. One, when when you're from Nova Scotia, you always want to go back. (laughs) Who, Who doesn't, right? Um, so when you, uh, because you're living in Toronto, you don't you don't get to go every Friday night. So when I plan my trips to the cottage, um, usually I'll look for you know 
five days or ten days at a time because you have to amortize your cost. There, there's some cost to getting there and some logistics of how you're going to do it. But I was listening to, to Andy and I was thinking about and um, my routine would be to catch a, a flight late Friday afternoon and and uh, when you get to the airport in Halifax, uh, I would often have a car either rented or I would have a car there for me. Uh, already parked at the airport, I would arrange nice. it through family or yeah. friends or something. <laughs> That's and, a way to do it. Yeah. And, and I was thinking about the food because um, it, it is important to know when you arrive Friday night at 7 o'clock or whatever, 8 o'clock, where are you going to pick up that first or second or third meal when you're driving to the cottage sure. on Friday night because you don't want to go back into town first thing on Saturday morning. So that's something even I think about. Okay, uh, maybe I don't have the quality meat shops, but <laughs> where's the where's the you know the major retail store? Are they open until midnight, etc. Right. Yeah. So there's a little bit of logistics, but there's so many benefits to getting away and the second point is that when I go there I see my family I see my friends but I don't have to stay with any of them yeah we have our own <laughs> place and it's just like it was when I left you know a month ago it's yeah. still the bed is still there everything is still right. the same that's so. awesome no guess yeah. that's no, right no guess yeah, yeah. very nice so Chris was telling me about an interesting phenomenon about Nova Scotia you want to share it Chris so and it, you can validate it for uh, us so Brian. when, when I, I lived in Nova Scotia for five years uh, and that's where that's where I met Brian and when uh, when my wife and I went there originally we went with the intention of only being there for a year we ended up staying for five because we loved it so much but we were there for a year and uh, so we said we want to see as much of the province as we possibly can so of a weekend we would get up Saturday morning and drive an hour and a half to Chester and hang out in Chester for the day and then we'd come back and then we'd have dinner at home and then Sunday morning we'd get up and drive up to Blomidon and hike through the park and then be home in time for dinner. I think this means something to Brian. It doesn't mean anything to <laughs> us, right, Mel? No. I'm with you on that one. So whatever. Uh, then Monday morning we'd go back into work and somebody'd say, hey, what did you do for the weekend? And we would you know, re- retell our weekend story and they would all look at us aghast because driving long distances in Nova Scotia, most people just don't do it. They simply don't. More than about an hour and a half. The question I repeatedly got asked was, where did you stay? (laughs) Boy, you mean you drove an hour and a half one way and an hour and a half back in the same day? And... Is that that's a that's about accurate, right, Brian? That is very accurate. Yeah. It's all it's all perception of distance. Yeah. But the, the good point is that even when I fly in on a Friday night and I'm staying four days or a week or whatever, you know, I, I used to joke with my staff in the office in Toronto because they would end up going up to Muskoka for Friday night to their cottages or out in the out in the you know Prince Edward wherever they were going. And I would joke that I would be at my cottage in Nova Scotia, <laughs> sitting on the deck, having a glass of wine the same time they were arriving at their cottage in Muskoka. Because I'd get to the airport, i hop on a plane, i get off two hours later. There is no traffic on a Friday night. That is true. When you're going to your cottage in Nova Scotia. Wow. It's just highway driving. Wow. And so I would be there at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, cracking a bottle of my wife and I, cracking a bottle of wine. <laughs> here, here. And uh, <laughs> checking the time. Yeah, uh, everyone in Muskoka is getting there about the same time. Right. Very wow. nice. So, Mel, I know we're, we're spending some time trying to convince you about the cottage lifestyle. That might sound a bit more appealing, cutting out the terrible commute. That's what kind of takes me away from the idea of a cottage is that whole driving commute yeah. thing. So maybe Nova Scotia's the maybe. place Maybe. You. Uh, you know what? Plus you're by the ocean over there, so yeah. that's yeah. very nice. Actually, we didn't, we didn't talk about talking about that. It's not a lake, it's an ocean. 
Well, there's a lot of ocean. I, I happen to be on a lake. Oh, and, of course, um, of course. You know, uh, your other guest was talking about Alberta and the lack of, or the limited amount of water frontage. Well, Nova Scotia is full of lakes, so they're not all big lakes, right. but there's many, no, probably, I don't know, maybe hundreds or if not thousands of I lakes. Would, I would say hundreds, easily at, hundreds. At least hundreds. Thousands. You fly in, all you see is lakes and water, so there's lots of cottages. So, Brian, are you flying into Halifax? Yes, you would, I would fly into Halifax. So as the pilot is announcing that you're approaching, uh, you're, you know, please be seated, we're about to land in a, f- a short time, the people going to Muskoka have just finished the merge at the Holland Marsh. Is that sort of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, if they were lucky, close, yeah. if they were lucky, they uh, got to the Holland Marsh. Uh, yeah. Interesting. So I think... Um, one of the other things, I was under the impression that you drove. Do you ever drive it? Or have you I do. Yeah. yeah. And how long a drive is that? Uh, from door to door, for me, it's about 19 hours. So, so. about Muskoka. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm driving. I'm not sitting. Right. <laughs> so, again, logistics. You, Everyone knows the midpoints of driving to Toronto to Nova Scotia. Is what is that? It's either uh, Edmonston or uh, Riviera Rivier 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 Duluth. Yeah. So, it, it's... First day is probably a 10-hour day, 11-hour day. Second day is easier, but it's an easy drive. There's no traffic. It's A yeah. to B, right? Yeah. You just don't drive after dark because there's too many moose and deer mm. on the highway right. through New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Yeah. So yeah. I only drive in the daylight hours. Yeah, mm. there, there are some, there are some uh, I'll call them hot spots. You know, just sort of as you're, as you're passing, well, first getting out of Toronto, uh, and then... Right. Yeah, you know, that. Um, and then... Uh, there's just some open stretches that where you hit a little bit of traffic, but it's nothing major. It's nothing major. No. It's no, not like it's there's a whole bunch of shortcuts either. It's literally A to B pretty much, it's right? It's A to B. The only, through Quebec City, Levy, Quebec. That's yeah. the only place you really get yeah. any traffic. And seriously, <laughs> it's not <laughs> So traffic. it's a, a lot more relaxed drive then. Yeah, I, call, I always say one finger on the wheel type of driving. Wow. You know. Wow. No, not that you. you would ever do that. I no. wouldn't do no, that. Just no. no. Don't recommend it. You don't it. do that. No. Don't but recommend you could, it. But you if could. you were so bold. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. So, Andy, what's your drive like? How long is your drive? Well, you know, a big shout out to Bob Cajun because that's, uh, that's where we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not too far. We're, what, like 20 minutes from Bob Cajun? Yeah. Here? Yeah. yeah. So, f- so it's 175 kilometers. Uh, from the city. <clears throat> from, from, you know, from, uh, you know, Bayview and Eglinton to the, to the cottage driveway. It's 175 clicks. And it's really easy driving. It's country roads, Lake Ridge Road, uh, Highway 10 through Cavan. Um, it's uh, the long, the longest it's ever been is two and a half hours, and the shortest it's ever been is an hour and fifty-five minutes. Respecting the speed limit, always. Right? Always, yeah. always. Yeah. <laughs> so where our place is, it's not too far from yours, and same thing. It's pretty much country roads. I don't know about you, but my husband has a million shortcuts. I. I have trouble getting there myself because I don't really know what route he takes. It's different every time we go. How about you? You have shortcuts? Uh, I have I have uh, different routes I do change to uh, from time to time. Uh, Just to change it up because it's yeah, not really traffic. Oh, yeah. especially when I'm tired. I yeah. find if I'm <laughs> taking the same route all the time, I get bored. But if I'm a little bit tired, I like to change my route up. So I'm paying a little bit more attention to my driving and sure. the turns I have to make. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a beautiful drive and it's easy. And the 407, uh, when it goes out to 115 to Peterborough, will probably take another 10 minutes off our off trip. Off the drive, yeah. So my only uh, prerequisite is there must be a Tim Hortons en route. <laughs> I don't always win that battle. Quite often, um, 
I find out en route there will be no Tim stop. That makes me Ooh. sad. Ooh. But the allure of getting there a little faster, I got to tell you, actually doesn't make up for it. No, I miss my Tim's <laughs> en route. It's always a, a sad day when he takes a different shortcut. I can imagine. And yeah. I'm sure with that long drive that listening to a great podcast such as Who's at Absolutely. the Cottage. And we hope many of our listeners right now are yes, en route to their exactly. place. makes the drive a little more pleasant. Terrific. Excellent. Thank if you. If you are, turn up the iPod and uh, you know, relax. Relax. So I think one of the things that strikes me about this whole, um, well, first of all, people traveling to cottages, but then in, in fact, people permanently taking up residence out of the city it really demands reliance on an automobile, which, mm-hmm. if you think about it, kind of runs counter to where the rest of the world's going, which is car sharing and car free and driverless cars and all of that. I think it's quite an interesting contradiction to me. So people who want to escape the city certainly uh, need to be reliant on their car and have no intention of giving it up. So on that note, I think it's time for you, Chris. I love being curious. It's my job. I am curious. What I'm are you curious, curious kind of about guy. this week? I am curious, folks. How long did it take you to get your driver's license? Did you do it once? Did you do it twice? How old were you? Andy, how old were you when you got your driver's license? I was uh, probably 14 days after my 16th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> first time, first time, first no time problem. done. Good job. Uh, Scarborough. Ooh. Hardcore. Couldn't, couldn't wait. <laughs> Scarbs unite. <laughs> Couldn't wait to get the driver's license. Amazing. Mel, what about you? Same here. I couldn't wait to drive. So, And I actually took my driver's exam during a blizzard. And I had to do the three-point turn, and I was very nervous and everything. And uh, it all went well. And kudos to my brother. I want to say a thank you, Pete, because he had told me before I took the exam, because he failed his the first Uh time, and he warned me there was a stop sign on the fence as you were leaving the driving center Mm, that that I would not have seen because it was placed very far to the right and with being nervous and whatnot. I'm sure a lot of people didn't see it. Sure. And that's really the only reason I think I passed. Wow. Sneaky, sneaky. So a nice older brother. As soon as you were able to take the permit, okay. to the lear- what we called then a learner's permit, blah, blah, blah. Mm. and uh, as soon as I was able, booked the test. Did I did lessons? I did the, you know, your dad wants you to do the lesson to get a cheaper insurance rate. Yeah. It's probably. I think I still have that accreditation, so it worked <laughs> out for me. Um, took it, first try, got it, and never looked back. Amazing, Brian. What about you? Well, I uh, when I turned sixteen, it happened to be the day in this little town where you had to write your beginner's permit. Okay. Test, so I got that. And I think it was 30 days later you could uh, take your driver's test and, and obtain that too and never looked back. Really? Passed the first time, just Let's for see. the record. Wow. Mm, we got a great you. crowd okay, here. Let me see now. Oh, right. I, <laughs> I actually waited. I, I mean, because I, I grew up in, in small town Ontario. Uh, I didn't really need to drive. Because there was... What the snowmobile or pretty much no no I mean I I used Dog to sled. snow yeah. machine yeah no I used to, I used to bike around a fair bit or I would walk uh, so there was really no need for me to drive um, so I didn't actually get my license until uh, um, I was almost eighteen I guess uh, and it was it was for a job um, somebody wanted to hire me but I couldn't unless I had my driver's license they wouldn't hire me until I had my driver's license so I went and got it but yeah I waited a good couple of years. So I'm sure you probably couldn't get a date either. I was thinking that. This must be girl-related. <laughs> <laughs> so were you slow to start that as well, Chris? 
I refuse to comment yeah. on the grounds that I may incriminate myself. It's no, terrible. that's not true. That is not true. Andy, Andy. No, uh, again, I mean, we were we were a uh, we were a walking culture or a biking culture, right. and, and which, kudos to that. Actually, know, we've right? lost a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a teenager, I used to ride my bike everywhere. Yeah. And uh, it was just yeah, it was it, I just never needed to do it. Yeah. So yeah, and then of course when I came to the city, it was like oh boy, am I ever glad I got my driver's license? Yeah, it's a whole other ball game, right? Exactly. Well, thank you for getting curious. Oh. That was very meaningful. And we I like being curious. That. Hey, I have a question for everybody. Okay. How many trips in Ontario do you think there are? Visitors to, to Ontario's cottage country annually. Anybody care to guess? Because this really surprised me. Is the question relating to people from outside of Ontario? No, people from, say, Toronto and other environs going to their place in cottage country, visiting, bringing visitors. On an annual basis. Annual basis, number of trips. I'm going to say five million. Okay. Any other guesses? How do they track this? <laughs> I, I like Chris's Reference number. Reference sources I, I, will be on I, the website I, later. Five million? Sure. Yeah. Five million? Sure. I'll go with that. Really? Okay. Two million. I don't two. know. Okay. Ten million. Bingo. Yay. Wow. Yay. Wow. Ten million trips annually. It's... Seven million happen in this. I, I still win, and the balance happened. You still win because yeah, the question was annual. That's fabulous. So here's the really revealing statistic, though: How much money do those folks spend annually? Staggering. Oh, just getting there, like on the trip Spending itself. Spending when they're en route and visiting <sighs> cottage country. All right. So quick math tells me ten million. Let's say average they're spending, I don't know, like uh, $500 a weekend. So we're talking, well, I can't do the math that fast. Anyone? (laughs) Uh, Divided by three. Carry the nine. 12 months Uh, in a year. It's a billion dollars infused into the cottage country economy. Wow. staggering. It is. It's very meaningful. I think it's it's a really interesting number. That's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And that's not... The real estate and the and, and the no. buying of the real estate—that's just spending money, being there, getting away. That's just going there. to the grocery store. No the, wonder those small towns love them. Yeah, you right? know, to, to the point Christine was making earlier. Mm-hmm. So um, we may be visitors; we may come and go, but we bring our checkbooks and our wallets wow. and uh, happily spend on these communities. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Well. I think that's about it. Andy, what are we eating tonight? You've been busy Actually, grilling. Yeah, it, what have it, we got? It's funny. The, 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 grill is, the grill is on and, and uh, we're going to... It gonna, smells uh, delicious. Yeah, nobody's uh, mentioned it. It smells fantastic. Tonight, we're going to have uh, marinated and sliced flank steak, mm. uh, some uh, grilled shrimp, uh, oh. mixed grilled veggies, uh, potato salad, uh, and I'm going to grab uh, another cold uh, pack of uh, Amsterdam beer from you the fridge. You go, boy. Okay. Well, grab me one while you're there. <laughs> Brian, we'll get you one. Great. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Let's, uh, let's eat. All right. And we'll see you next time on Who's at the Cottage. Thank you, Brian, for joining us. It was great to have you here. And thanks to Christine Sharp for joining us via phone from the Halliburton Highlands. If you're looking for a place or want to renovate, please reach out to Christine. You can follow her on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at C Sharp Homes. And for more information about our guests and all the fabulous food we're having here at Andy's, be sure to check us out at whosatthecottage.com. Now let's eat. Who's at the Cottage is supported by Grill Time Gourmet Meat Shop. Receive $5 off your next order when you mention the podcast. Grill Time at 62 Layer Drive in Leaside. Take out or cook out. Come and get it. Offer available until September 4th, 2017.
Who's at the Cottage is a steak production. Executive producer, Maureen Norman. Production supplied by Gat Broadcast Services. Production assistant, Daniel Cowan. Daniel Cowan.